Good evening, everyone. I don't know if you guys know this, but Lisa and I were cousins. I like, I like sharing that because I'm just so proud of her. And when I see her lead prayer, I'm just like, ooh, we're family. <laughs> She's so anointed, isn't she? So, so powerful. Um, I'm really excited about sharing today's word because I feel like God is going to transition the movement of JPM. And I think we're in a season, we're a time in a season where we got to shift gears and pay very close attention to what we've been praying for all these years in regards to the reunification of North and South Korea. And so before I start um, giving my word today, I want you guys to just pray for your neighbor. Hold the hand of your neighbor, whoever's next to you. And I want you to just pray that God would awaken them. I know it's a little bit crowded. It's a little stuffy. It's a little bit warm. It's easy to get a little bit drowsy, hard to pay attention. But we're going to pray right now that as this word goes out, it's just going to quicken in your spirit. You're going to come alive. Something is going to get excited within you and that you're going to just be able to grasp all that God is trying to reveal to us tonight. So can we pray for our neighbors and just release that blessing over them? Go ahead. Just pray for them. Yeah, thank you, God, that you are setting the atmosphere right now to be one of full reception. And God, we just welcome and yearn and long to hear your heart, God, and to know and to see and to be discerning about the times and the seasons that we're in. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you've been moving so powerfully through the prayers of your people. And we pray, God, O oh Lord, that from this point on, may we be even more precise. May we be even more diligent. May we be even more zealous and on fire to pray for your kingdom to come here in North and South Korea. So, Father, we just lift you up. We thank you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I am pregnant. Man, if, if I'm sure most of you guys know, but some of you may not know just what an incredible statement it is for me to be able to say that. It, it has been a journey, but let me tell you, God is a God that is faithful, and this precious baby girl that's in my womb is truly a gift from the Lord. And when I sit and when I think about the fact that God is literally knitting her together in my womb, fearfully and wonderfully made, just as it says in Psalm 139, it's kind of crazy. You know, and in the beginning, it's like, oh, that's nice. But when you look at ultrasounds, it's like, hmm, you know, like, like a little dot or slowly they start looking like aliens because they don't get like fat. It's just bones, you know, and you just see like, you're like, oh, cute. <laughs> Yay. You know, and recently my husband and I, we try to go and get this 4D ultrasound. 
I don't even know what 4D means. Like, what, what the heck is 4D? Um, but it, it, to me, I would have called it just 3D. But you get this view of your baby, like a really very accurate picture of what your baby's going to, you know, what your baby looks like. And, and your baby's gained a certain amount of weight, so there's, you know, fat to the cheeks. And, you know, like you just see the face, and you can start seeing whose nose she has or lips, et cetera, et cetera. So we went, and homegirl just dug her face where we could not see her. And she was like, mm, not today. And I, I walked around. I did jumping jacks. I drank water. Like, and we went back in, and they were like, yeah, no. And so we, we went again the following week, and I'm like, come on. And, and, and Pastor Christian's all like, come on, baby girl. Show yourself to daddy. And, and yeah, no, 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 no. She, so I have no idea what she, she looks like. We, and we passed the 4D stage, FYI. So we can't, we can't get that ultrasound anymore. So I think she's just like, I'm just gonna have to wait and see, you know, I'm not giving you a preview, mom. You're gonna have to wait and see till I come out. But just the thought of her being created within my womb, just, it, it brings me to another level of how incredible God is as a creator. It's just so amazing. It's so amazing. And I hope that when you look at yourself, you also are in awe that you have been created in God's image. It's, a, it's an outstanding thought, and it's an incredible thing to realize. And, and it's beautiful. And I was on Facebook the other day, and two really dear people to my heart, they just had their baby girl, um, Colette Rado. She is so cute. And um, seeing her being born was awesome, but also freaked me out. And the reason why it freaked me out is because I know I'm about 10 weeks behind her mother. Okay. So that pretty much was like a woo, -woo, -woo like time is coming. Right. And so, you know, she's there and I was really excited about her, you know, being birthed and all of that great stuff. But then all of a sudden a reality hit like, oh my gosh, I have about 10 weeks, two and a half months till this, this girl's coming out. Okay. I know you guys aren't nervous about it, but you know, <laughs> That doesn't make you sweat, but trust me, like the thought of that is really beginning to hit home. And I, I was just kind of reminded of the process that pregnancy has taken me on. You see, first trimester, you just get excited that you're pregnant, you know, and you see the two lines and you're like, woo, pregnant, so excited. And then you're miserable. Okay. Because you, you can't eat what you want. You smell also, you don't want you know, things you don't want to smell, you smell and it just, you just get uncomfortable. But it's funny because the moment you're, you're pregnant, your body has to change in order to carry that pregnancy into full term. So that all that uncomfortableness, the discomfort and, and things that were so annoying at the time, it was because my body was adjusting and changing so that it would be able to carry this baby to full term, full fruition. And then second trimester comes and second trimester by that time, you know, you're, you're just chilling again. You get your energy back and now your belly start, you start showing because first trimester, it just looks like you ate a lot. You know, so people are like, oh, Timmy, you're like, oh, no. <laughs> like, it's not like a cute bump, but second trimester, all of a sudden, kind of like pops out, and you're all like, hey. And, you know, you're like really excited because you start seeing some physical, you know, manifestation that there's actually a baby inside of you, and it's really cute and exciting. And, and you're just happy to be pregnant. You're just happy to be pregnant. And the third trimester comes, and that's what I'm in. 
And third trimester, let me tell you, it's back to discomfort, okay? Now it's not cute bump, it's like uncomfortable bump, and it's still growing. It's uncomfortable sleep, it's you're tired again. First trimester, I was so tired, but now I'm tired all over again. And the biggest change that I think I've been in entering in this third trimester is the reality of how my life is going to change. So now it's not just like, I'm pregnant, yippee. It's like, oh my gosh, I have to take care of a human life. (laughs) And I'm not going to be able to go to the movies by myself anymore. And I can't go to, you know, I can't go at, go and come and go as I please. Me and my husband, it's not just going to be the two of us anymore. I'm going to be, you know, feeding this baby every hour or two hours when she comes out. Like my, my independence, my, my joy, my freedom, all of that. I'm realizing, oh my gosh, this is, my life is about to radically change, radically change. And the, just the reality of that is just hitting me wave after wave after wave after emotional and hormonal waves <laughs> all throughout the day. And I'm just crying over all sorts of strange things that I think I'm going to miss. Okay. Which is funny because it's, it is a really happy time, but my life is really going to change. You understand what I'm saying? And then also the delivery of this baby is not a long, far off sort of thing. It's a slowly getting closer and closer sort of thing. And um, (laughs) I won't go into too much detail, but listen, y'all should really call your moms like today or tomorrow (laughs) and just thank them from the bottom of your heart that they birthed you. Okay. Whether it was a C-section or natural, whatever it was that they, that you came out of there, you should really thank them. (laughs) It's interesting. The stages, isn't it? And it's funny because we can actually attribute to carrying the promises of God with pregnancy. Now there's a message that I preached a while ago called spiritual abortion, where I actually talked about, um, first Kings where Elijah, prophet Elijah, okay, was, uh, speaking to the king that rain was going to come. Now, this is after years and years of drought that had hit the land. And he said it, he prophesied it, and then he went up to a mountain and got into literal birthing position. It says that he put his head between his legs. Yes. (laughs) No, that's not some like acrobatic, whatever. That's straight up birthing position. And he travailed. He prayed through for this rain to come, for this rain to pass. And he sent his servant seven times back and forth. Do you see anything? Do you see anything? No, 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 no. And finally, his servant saw a small cloud. And Elijah was like, you better get ready because it's about to pour. And he knew that the promise was going to get birthed. And so there's this image of God giving it a seed of promise in us and that we're actually called to carry it. And if you look at the stages of just trimester, what I experienced, I realized, oh my gosh, this is very similar could be similar to what we experience when we're given a promise. And the promise that I hope you and I are carrying together here as a JPM family is a promise of reunification for North and South Korea. Now, I remember when I first opened my ears to what was going on in North Korea, I was shocked. Actually, I was completely oblivious to how serious it was. In college, I was too drunk or high to know anything other than, you know, this much of my vicinity. All right. I didn't know any world, you know, issues or whatever it was, you know, I knew all of family guy, (laughs) you know, like sex in the city. Like I could name all sorts of strange facts, but I did not know what was going on in the world. And one thing that I was definitely blind to was what 
what was going on in North Korea. So when I came to, when I came to South Korea and God began to show me through people just sharing their stories and just stating facts about North Korea, something started to stir within me. And not only did I hear the facts of North Korea, I began to hear that people were holding on to this promise that this wasn't going to remain this way, but that they were believing for God to bring transformation, revival, and reconciliation between North and South Korea. And I could still remember when that thought or story for them became a promise, personal promise for me. And it was exciting. I just, it's like my eyes open and I realized, oh my gosh, God, you, this is your land. You love Korea. You love Korea and you are longing to see North and South become one nation again. This is actually your heart. And I remember just receiving that and just being so excited and, and changing my lifestyle around carrying that promise. And what I mean by changing my lifestyle is learning how to pray for it. Learning how to pray consistently for it. Learning how to come out to prayer meetings like this to pray for it with my brothers and sisters. Trying to learn how to pray for it on my own and believe for it. Things began to shift and change for me to learn how to carry this promise. And I think we've been in a season where we're very much in this second trimester phase where we're seeing growth. I don't know about you, but if you guys are paying attention, things are moving. We can see things that are shifting right now. And we've named them even at JPM, but uh, with prayer slides. And, you know, my cousin Lisa, to me, she's like my personal news anchor. And so I get all of my information of world current events from her. Um, but just seeing the different changes, it, it's exciting. But I just feel like God is saying, we're shifting into the third trimester here. It's time that the reality come where we need to prepare for what it's actually going to look like when reunification happens. See, the idea of being pregnant is fun and it's exciting. The idea of holding a baby in your arms one day is great, but the idea of being a parent, that's a reality that can be daunting. And we're called to give birth to this promise of reunification and not abandon it, but to see reunification, the manifestation of that come to its full maturity. You understand when the doors open, it's not just going to be, oh, yay, yippee, dippy, skippy, break and put the ax on a wall and call it a day. And it's fantastic. No, we're going to hit some serious issues and challenges and costs that got to be paid. But are, are we going to be aware of that? You know, it, it's so easy to come to prayer meetings like this and just be blindly optimistic. You know, oh, yeah, of course, God, God can do that. Of course, he's going to, you know, bring, you know, reunification, but God is not calling us to be blindly optimistic. He's calling us to be intentional in our hope in him. And I really believe it's time that we wake up and start paying attention, not only to what's going on, but also the challenges that are ahead of us. And so this is the message that I feel like God has put on my heart to give. And it's a little intense, but I think it's very much in the direction that we need to go towards as a prayer, as, as people who are committed to praying for this nation. Y'all with me? Come on. Y'all with me in order to fully believe that this promise is going to come to pass. There's two things that I want to point out that we got to understand. The first thing is we got to be very aware of the challenges that we're actually facing. Um, 
my church recently, we've been going through a series of leadership retreats and we've been meditating. Well, one particular campus has been meditating on numbers chapter 13 and 14. And this is the account where the Israelites were, um, you know, getting out of a, a year of wilderness and about to approach the promised land that was promised to Abraham. And they were told to send out spies to go into the land and check it out and come back and possess the land. Okay. This is the promised land that God promised Abraham. It was all about to go down. And the order that God gave these spies were two things that they had to pay attention to. One was the fruit of the land, how good it was to bring back some of the fruit. But another thing that they were told to pay attention to was who possessed the land. Okay. What was the enemy like? To take a good, not just, oh, look at the fruit. That's fantastic. And walk away. It's take a good look at who's possessing the land right now. And take a good look at the enemy that we have to defeat. And it wasn't to discourage them. Now, they got discouraged. But God's heart probably was not to discourage them if they knew how great their God was. But it was to give them insight on how to fight. On how to fight. And in that same way, when we're talking about reunification of North and South Korea, we got to understand what giants were facing. Okay. North Korea is not just an empty plot of land. Okay. It's not just a regular country. We're talking about a hardcore dictatorship regime that is so under crazy oppression. You got to understand like what we're looking at and what we're facing at this hour in order for us to be very precise and in our prayers and in our tactics of intercession. We got to see the challenges. And I believe that there's two sets of challenges that we got to recognize. Now, this is going to sound like I'm going to be a Debbie Downer, but stay with me because it's important. Because if you guys don't get this, when people say these things to you, you're going to get discouraged. You're like, oh, I didn't think about that. Oh, yeah, how's that going to work out? It's going to be easy to get tossed and turned in the waves of doubt when people start mentioning the actual statistics and the actual numbers and the actual things that you're facing when it comes to reunification. But we got to know what we're handling. We got to know what we're facing as well as knowing who we're putting our hope in. First is just the, the resistance that we're going to see in South Korea. You have to realize that there's resistance here. Everyone is not on board for reunification You guys understand that we're all here praying about it, but not everybody's praying about it. Not everybody's aware of it. Not everybody's on board with it. Okay. Pakune, the president of South Korea right now, she has made it one of her top priorities to make reunification uh, one of the items of her to-do list in her presidency. And she created something where she, what she calls as the, um, what is it? The unification as jackpot project. I know whoever translated that (laughs) unification is what she's trying to say. It's a project that she started in hopes of creating, preparing for reunification. And the concept behind it is that if we reunify with North Korea, we're going to hit the jackpot and it's actually going to be extremely beneficial, you know, with economy, with resources, with people, with all of these things. And so she's trying to paint this beautiful picture of what reunification is going to look like. It's actually quite incredible that she's going so full steam ahead. And she's created a special committee to prepare 
for the reunification. She's had them travel to Germany. We just celebrated the fall of the, of the wall between East and West Germany. And she's sending these teams to learn and to study what their process was like. She's trying to move forward. But do you know that not everybody's moving forward with her? That she has so many critics coming against her right now on her effort to prepare for reunification. She's facing not only critics and skeptics from people worldwide, but she's facing critics and skeptics here in Korea. And they're like, what are you doing? And one of the biggest obstacles is the cost of reunification. Do you know how expensive this is going to be? You guys, North Korea is not a democratic country. These people don't earn wages. They don't, they don't have their own money. It's not like they have their savings. They're given, they're, they're apportioned food. They're apportioned clothes. They're given all of these things. Can you imagine when the wall goes down, as symbolic as that is, what it's going to look like when we have such and such million people who don't understand what it's like to live free, all of a sudden fall on the backs of South Koreans. So immediately people are thinking the taxes, the amount of taxes that we're going to get taxed here in order to prepare for something like that. It's a lot of money. And when she proposed this idea, North Korea actually said this, their press, they said, they called it daydream of a psychopath. <laughs> I got this from an article from economics, economics, economist, economist, economist. <laughs> Oh, pregnancy brain, pregnancy brain. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay, anyway. <laughs> Economist.com. And they, they said that North Korea actually heard her plan, and they're, in their news report, they called it the daydream of a psychopath. <sighs> I mean, obviously, North Korea is not going to be all excited about it. But unfortunately, North Korea is not the only ones that think that she's crazy to put in this much effort for something that's going to cost that much money and it's going to take so much time to see the fruit of. Yes, North Korea is filled with resources. It's true. It's true. Land, people, however, for those resources to be properly attained is going to take time. It's not going to happen overnight. And people don't want to pay that price. People don't want to pay that price. They say that young people in their 20s, especially, are really satisfied with the status of Korea right now, South Korea, being one of the top, you know, Asian countries in terms of economically, status. I mean, for you guys to be living here in Korea, it's not like y'all living in some third world country. This is a nice country to live in. And there's a lot of benefits that we have here, a lot of things that we're enjoying because of the status that we have. And some people just don't want to give that up. And there's actual resistance. Not everybody's on board. We have to understand that there's that opposition here. And on the flip side, North Korea, obviously daydream of a psychopath, is also not that excited, well, at least the government is not that excited about the idea of reunification. And there's so many things that's going against this promise. There's so many things. First of all, North Korea was built on a counterfeit theology to Christianity. They have their own version of the Trinity. 
Okay, while we have God, the Father, Jesus Christ, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they have their, you know, Kim Jong-il, Kim Il-sun, and Kim Jong-un. Wait, is that right? Okay, <laughs> I'm like, am I missing somebody? No. Um, they have their own version of the North Korean Trinity. They can't stand Christianity when people are found out with Bibles. Normally, they're thrown into prison camps or executed. A lot of Americans that just went back had to do with some sort of religious affiliation. One young man just left his Bible in the bathroom of a, of a club or restaurant or whatever it was, and he was in prison right away. It is hostile. Hostile. Not only to reunification, but to Christianity. It is hostile. That area is so resistant. Okay? Prison camps, the oppression, the control of fear. You, do you, can you imagine not having a single ounce of freedom, what that feels like? I've spoken to people who actually work in North Korea, and they say that when they come out of North Korea, it takes them a while to just remember what it's like to feel free. That it takes them even a couple of weeks to go back to normal because they are so oppressed when they're there and so controlled and so watched over that it's this physical oppression and it takes them time to break out of that. Can you imagine what that's like to live in day in and day out? Or can you imagine what that's like to live in for all of your life? It's oppression. It's crazy. And they have a young leader who's considered to be erratic in nature, unpredictable. You know, not like his father was that predictable, but Kim Jong-un, he's noted to be very unpredictable in comparison to his father, who's trying to throw big guns. And, you know, he went from having gout and limping on one leg to another leg to now looking healthy as if nothing's wrong and everything's okay. That he's still in power. It's serious what we're facing. And we have to be a people that are not afraid to look at that, to see that. We can't just put our head in the sand and be like, oh, everything's going to be fantastical, rainbows and unicorns. No, these people are experiencing so much agenda being brainwashed to them day in and day out about what they're, what they're told to believe. We can't even begin to imagine what they're facing. If you talk to even some Christians, they don't even believe in peaceful reunification. You talk to other believers and they're like, yeah, we're not really praying for that because the more we think about it and the more we do work with NK or NK practitioners, it's just obvious that that's just impossible. You talk to people that are very, very involved, NGOs, and it's, it's like heaps and he just mountains of giants facing them. The reality of how hard this would actually be in order for reunification to happen and for it to happen peacefully. Facing that. What do we do? What do we do now that we're looking at the reality? And, you know, I just scratched the surface, guys. We, there's so many statistics and facts that are out there. But what do we do when we face this right on. And we realize, okay, it's not going to be so easy and it's not going to come without cost. How do we respond to this? I want you guys to turn with me to Romans chapter four. And we're going to look at verses, um, 13 all the way to verse 25.
I want to ask you guys to just read the whole passage with me. Romans chapter 4, verses 13 to 25. I'm reading from the ESV, but whatever version you guys have, just feel free um, to read out loud. Okay, here we go. Verse 13. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith. In order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you father many nations in the presence of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope, he believed against hope so that he should become the father of many nations, as he has been told. So shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about a 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Watch this in 18. I want to read it in the NIV version. It says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. The New Living Version says this, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. If you continue reading on verse 19, I'll read it in the ESV. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb against all hope in hope. When there was no reason in the natural to hope, Abraham continued to hope. And he believed this is what you and I need to stand on against all hope, against everything that I just mentioned to you for the past 10 minutes that you need to be aware of and that you need to continue to grow in your knowledge in and learn and understand the challenges. Despite all of that in hope, God is calling you and I to believe and watch this. When Abraham examined the condition of his own body, he was an old man, hundred years old. And even when he considered his wife who was barren, because this is the promise of a child and not just a child, but generations through that child. When he considered the actual challenges, oh my gosh, she's barren and I'm mad old. Still, still he believed. And you got to pay attention to scripture because it says Abraham considered, he considered his body. 
He considered his wife's barrenness. He didn't put his head in the sand and, you know, okay, if you said it, it's going to be done. No, he was well aware of the challenges. He was fully alert and understood, God, this is impossible. But despite that, despite how impossible this situation looks, I'm going to stay in hope. Why? Because you said you were going to do it. Continue on from verse 19, verse 20. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but what he grew strong. Everybody say he grew strong strong. in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Come on. Fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Listen, if we're not praying from that perspective, we're not really praying. That's not faith. We got to stand on our prayers, fully believing God, you can do what you said you're going to do. No matter what facts come our way, no matter what articles try to, you know, get me to stray from this thought to that thought, regardless of what I see in the natural or the challenges that I'm now aware of, I am still fully convinced. And in fact, I'm going stronger in my faith that you are able to do this. God is calling us to be alert, but to have greater hope. To be alert and to have greater hope in him. You know, when I was thinking about this, I was like, man, God, this is hard to believe sometimes. (laughs) This is hard to believe sometimes. If I really do sit and I, I try to, I pay attention to What I'm seeing in the news, you know, it's hard to believe because one moment I'm celebrating that Kim Jong-un has gout, you know, and I'm thinking breakthrough. And next moment he's a picture of him and he looks perfectly fine. And I'm like, oh, what happened? I thought gout was supposed to crush the regime, you know? (laughs) If If I begin to kind of look to the circumstances and just put my hope in what I'm seeing, I'm just going to easily be, you know, kind of up and down, up and down. There's going to be breakthrough and then pull back and forward and pull back, whatever it may be. But God is saying, no, 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 no. If you see what I'm doing in the eyes that you are fully convinced that I'm going to do this, even what looks like a setback, you will realize is all a setup. You know, in my third trimester, I'm going to start experiencing what's called Braxton Hicks. And pretty much they are fake contractions. It's going to prepare me to know what contractions feel like. And contractions are necessary for delivery because that, well, pregnancy, okay, contractions, I don't want to go into the nitty gritty because contractions (laughs) are basically what help prepare my body for the baby to come out. Okay. And they are very painful and uncomfortable And in your third trimester, you start feeling these contractions. But when contractions happen, you know baby's coming. Once you start experiencing contractions, it's like it's game time. This baby is on her way. And Braxton Hicks are pretty much versions of contractions. They're like practice contractions because you feel them, but baby's not on our way. But you know that now you're getting closer and closer. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that God has been giving us some Braxton Hicks. That if you see what's going on in the news, he's trying to make it clear through signs 
that pay attention, the time is coming. Pay attention, the time is approaching. Pay attention, it's now time to be alert. The moment you start hitting that season, you got to get ready to pack your hospital bag. You got to know the route to the hospital. You got to get make sure that you have everything ready for this baby. You got to be prepared. You got to be prepared. And in that same way, as we see these different movements happening, we got to understand, we got to start getting prepared in the spirit. And we got to start opening our heart, not just for the reunification, the doors opening up, but we got to start praying of what that's going to look like. And we got to start praying that South Korea, North Korea are going to come with strategies in order for this reunification to really play out in a way that is kingdom advancing. Okay. So we got to pay attention. But who's the God that we serve? You see, this passage in Romans is not just referring to Abraham and Sarah being able to give birth when they were crazy old. It's talking about even the gift of salvation. Because later on, it says that Abraham, it was a credit to him as righteousness that he believed. Against all hope, in hope he believed. And that was credited to him in righteousness through grace. And in that same way, we have access to that righteousness if by faith we believe in Christ. See, the thing that really struck me was the revelation of our salvation. When I think about how North Korea is and how South Korea is, and I'm tempted to be overwhelmed and I'm tempted to be in a place of disbelief, I got to remember where I was as a person before I got saved and the condition of my own heart and the resistance of my own heart. And remember that despite all of that, God broke through and he loved me even while I was still a sinner and gave me the grace to not only believe in him, but to become a new creation. Second Corinthians five seventeen: the old has gone and the new has come. We have been created as a new creation in Christ. Do you guys understand that? It wasn't out of nothing. You were resisting God. And in the midst of your resistance, God came, gave his grace to you, and made you new. That's super, that's the God that we're serving. I want to read to you guys a quote from Charles Spurgeon that just rocked me. This is what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, my brethren, I know, so fancy, right? My brethren, it was more difficult, if such terms are ever applicable to omnipotence, omnipotence. I got to work on my, uh, all right, let me start over. My brethren, it was more difficult, if such terms are ever applicable to omnipotence, okay, it was more difficult to create a Christian than to create a world. What was there to begin with when God made the world? There was nothing. Nothing could stand in God's way. It was at least passive. But my brethren, in our hearts, while there was nothing that could help God, there was much that could and did oppose him. Our stubborn wills, our deep prejudices, our ingrained love of iniquity, all these, great God, opposed thee and aimed at thwarting thy designs. Yes, great God, it was great to make a world but greater to create a new creature in Jesus Christ. Come on. I was like, it was amazing for God to create the world. But do you understand how supernatural and how significant it is that Christ has made you a new creation? That's the same God that we're hoping to make this nation a new creation. 
yeah, we're North and South Korea. I can name all sorts of reasons why and how both of these nations are resisting reunification. But when we hit that, we got to remember and put our hope in who we're believing is going to bring this to pass. And this is a God that is, does not back down from opposition. This is not a God that's intimidated by prejudices. This is not a God that is afraid nor weak. But it's a God who breaks through and takes a, a heart that is so opposed to him and turns that heart into a heart of flesh. That is incredible. That's the God that you and I serve. And that's the same God that we need to hold fast to when we pray for reunification. As we really get a taste of reality of what we're going to face. And guys, it's not going to come easy and it's not going to come cheap. God is looking for his people to be able to stand up in the face and have that spirit of Abraham against all hope in hope that we would believe that we would believe that God is going to do what he said he was going to do. See, reunification is not our idea. I hope you guys really know that. It's not something JPM came up with. We had a little committee. We got together and we thought, you know what? This is something that would be cool to pray for. No, this is something that God has deposited inside of our hearts. This is something that he spoke was his heart. This is something that he wanted to revive. And you can see that even from the history of North Korea and the revival of Pyongyang years and years ago, God started something in North Korea. And trust me, when he starts something, he's very intent on seeing it finish to the end. And there is a momentum and a history and wells in North Korea of revival that we got to believe is going to get dug out and water is going to flow again. My question is, will you believe Will you believe? Will you make a commitment tonight, not just to pray happy, optimistic prayers? Yeah, it's going to happen. Great. Hallelujah. Oh, I see this and I see that. that those are so important to be able to envision what it's going to look like. But also, it's important to understand what we're coming up against. And despite all that, still hold fast and even go stronger in your faith that God is going to move. That's what he wants to release tonight, that kind of faith. It's another level. It's a deeper level. And it's one where he's saying, wake up because it's time to prepare. It's time to prepare. It is coming soon. Amen? You know, when my daughter is born, I know it's going to be epic. Okay, it's going to be glorious. It's going to be incredible. It may possibly traumatic. It's going to be unforgettable, and I know that the whole world is going to rejoice when we show her off. Okay, maybe not the whole world, but everyone in this room, at least, will be very excited when she's born. And all the many, many people that prayed for her all over the world, they're going to be so excited at the birth of my baby girl. I just know it. It's going to be incredible. And finally, this ex nihilo baby, I'm going to be able to hold her in my arms, and it's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. But you know what day I look forward to just as much, if not more? I long and I wait for the day. Not when she's just birthed, but when she's rebirthed. And not onto earth, but into the kingdom of God. And that's when people won't just be rejoicing, but all of heaven will be rejoicing. And she won't just come into my arms 
but the arms of a heavenly father. To be reborn into the kingdom of God. I can't wait for that day. That's going to be such an incredible and supernatural event. And in that same way, I can't wait for North Korea and South Korea to be one nation. And I can't wait till it's not just a political agreement, an economic agreement, a peace agreement, but that it's going to stir up revival for God's kingdom to be released over North Korea. And the message of the gospel is going to be just uninhibited and just boom, 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 just going out with fervor and power and multitudes are going to come to know the Lord, the true father, the true God, the truth and the, and the way and the life that they're going to imagine and be able to see who Jesus Christ is. I can't wait for that day. It's going to be incredible and amazing. And that's what I'm holding on to. It's not going to be easy. And even after that all happens, it's still not going to be easy. There's going to be challenges. And guys, when the doors open, our call to pray for this nation doesn't stop. JPM doesn't end when reunification happens. The need for us to pray for this nation only continues. Only can our prayer topics might change a little bit, but trust me, we're going to have a lot of things we got to pray for and believe for. But God is asking today, are you ready to believe against all hope? Against all hope in hope. Are you ready to believe? Are you ready to persevere to the very end? Are you ready to get rid of just the idealistic, romantic view of what's going to happen? But are you ready to deal with the costs and the persecution and even just the stigma of believing in peaceful reunification? You know, sometimes when I share, people think that, oh, okay, you obviously don't know what's going on. You know, you obviously are unaware of the difficulties and the challenges. Are you, are you even prepared to deal with that kind of stigma in order to believe that this is what God desires? God is wanting to release that kind of faith tonight over you and I. And he wants to raise up the power of intercession here for us to go to another level of precision, clarity about the giants that we're facing and the unwavering hope that we have in God. I want you guys to close your eyes. You know, when North and South Korea come together as one nation, it's not going to be something that's new per se, because they used to be one country before, but it is going to be new. Not in the sense that they were never reunited, but it's going to be new because it's what God is going to do. You know, they were separated through the works of the enemy, but we believe that it's through the power of God they're going to get reunited and reconciled, not just to its former state, but to a greater glory. Despite the prejudice, despite the resistance, despite the opposition against all hope in hope, God is calling you and I to believe. Just take a moment. I want you to bow your heads. And I want you to be reminded of the joy of your salvation. 
you know what? You don't need to have done drugs or been promiscuous or, you know, done some crazy radical sinful thing in order for you to understand the weightiness of how God saved you. You could have lived a seemingly boring life and still have the revelation that what Jesus has done for you is absolutely incredible. And you could have never done that for yourself. We were sentenced to death. We could have never paid the price. But God just wants to remind you of who he is. Everything inside of you opposed him. Everything inside of you resisted him. But God did not back down. And he gave you the grace to be hungry for him. same way God is calling us to believe amidst the impossibilities of North Korea and even South Korea what we see and what we hear so I want you guys to just take a moment and I want you to just begin to pray And I want you to just begin to just exalt God, the God of our salvation. And I want you to just begin to remind yourself of what he's done in your life and just begin to praise him for it. Because before we start praying about North Korea, I want you to just be reminded of who we're praying to and who it is that said that he'll do it. So come on, just begin to lift up your voices. Holy Spirit, I just pray for revelation of the salvation that we have received the incredible and supernatural and work that you have done in our